Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. Right now, you either are a problem, you have a problem, or you're married to a problem, but you are acquainted with problems, bumps in life. Life is not a hallmark card. People have accidents, people get hurt, people get sick, people die, relationships go bad, husbands walk out on wives, wives walk out on husbands and children, kids rebel, students get strung out on drugs and alcohol, teenage girls get pregnant. Bad things happen to good people. They always have, they always will. If you watch much of television, the religious programming, by the way, in traveling around the country or anywhere in the world, in the middle of the night, you can get two things for sure. You get religious programming and live wrestling. (laughs) And the world's asking the same question about both. Is it real or is it fake? And here's what a lot of theology, TV theology says. There's no problem God won't solve. No sickness God won't heal. No circumstance God won't change. No pain God won't alleviate. The Greek word for that is baloney. It does not jive with God's Word. It contradicts what this Bible teaches. It may sell tapes and books. It may generate income. But it is not the Word of God. And you need to know that. The Bible says in this life you will have tribulation. You will have bumps. That's what Jesus said. That's what Peter said. That's what Paul said. I heard about a little boy who was in a classroom, first grade class, and he was sitting on the back row, and he was sticking his stomach out. He had unbuttoned his shirt, and he was sticking his stomach out. And, of course, the teacher was distracted, and she tried to ignore him, but she couldn't ignore him because it looked awful. And he just you know, kind of rubbed his stomach, just kept sticking his stomach out. Well, at break time, she asked the school nurse, she said, I got this kid in my classroom sitting back there with his shirt unbuttoned and his stomach sticking out. She said, well, what's his name? He said, well, Johnny so-and-so. She said, oh, Johnny came by this morning before class and said his stomach was really hurting him, but I thought he was faking it. And I said, just stick it out till noon. And he, he's trying to stick it out till noon. Well, some of you are struggling with life and you're just trying to stick it out till noon and you're trying to grin and bear it and what the Lord says and what the book teaches is that you can take those bumps and turn them into blessings. That God wants to use them as blessings in your life. Charlie Brown said to Lucy, don't you know that life has its ups and downs? And Lucy says, all I want is ups and ups and ups. And that may be what you want, but that is not reality. Bumps are going to come. Bumps are what we climb on. But when bumps come, number one, there is a logical reason. Number two, there is a love revelation. When things happen in your life, when bumps come into your life, usually there is a logical reason for why that thing happened to you. And if you think long enough and hard enough or investigate enough, you'll find probably some logical reason why something has happened in your life. But not only is there a logical reason, there is a love revelation. Because in every bump of life, in every difficulty, in every problem, God is wanting to show you that He loves you. And He wants to reveal truth to you. 
He wants to use these things in your life to grow you up and to mature you. You see, in everything that happens to you, God is talking to you, God is teaching you, God is testing you, and God is transforming you. You see, God is committed to His purpose for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and He's committed to that. He's committed to the process. He sees the big picture, and He is always working in your life. Things happen to us in order that things can happen in us so that things can happen through us. God allows things, permits things to happen in our lives to accomplish His purpose so that we will fulfill the very reasons that He has us on this earth, that we can do His work, that we can perform His ministry, that we can use the gifts and the talents He's given us to be a blessing to our world and a blessing to others. Someone asked the sculptor how he could take just a huge piece of rock or stone and carve out a horse. And he said, well, all I do is I just start chipping away and I chip off everything that doesn't look like a horse. And then the image emerges. And God, through bumps and difficulties and problems, chips away at our lives until the image emerges. You see, he is transforming us into his own image. And if we will listen to him and cooperate with him, he will turn these bumps into blessings. And the image of what he wants us to be will begin to emerge in our lives. In 1905, a Ph.D. candidate flunked his dissertation. In fact, his major professor wrote on the dissertation, this is irrelevant. The man's name was Albert Einstein. And he took that bump and he turned it into a blessing. In 1902, the Atlantic Monthly, the, uh, the editor sent a batch of poems back to a young poet. The poet was 32 years old. And said, our magazine can't use these poems. We have no room for your poetry. And so Robert Frost got his poems back and turned that bump into a blessing. A young man opened up his first store. And the next day, the competition put a full-page ad in the paper that said, we've been in business for 50 years. Shop with us. And this young man was devastated by that. And his young help, they thought, we can't compete with that. But the next day, he put a full-page ad in the paper that said, we've been in business for one week. All of our merchandise is brand new. Shop with us. <laughs> he turned bumps into blessings. That man's name was Woolworth. In Minnesota, there's a railroad clerk that got a shipment of watches that he was to deliver to a jeweler, and the jeweler did not accept the watches. And so he had these watches, and he got with a distributor, and the distributor wouldn't pay the freight to get the watches back, so he stuck with these watches. But an idea hits him, and he sketches each watch and makes a little homemade catalog and sends it to all the railroad clerks, and they immediately bought all the watches. So then he decided to order more watches, and he did another catalog, and of course eventually the catalog became known as the Sears and Roebuck catalog, turning bumps into blessings. I read about a guy who had a pretty successful hair salon until a chain uh, salon moved in right next door to him and put up this big sign, haircuts, $6. Well, the next day he puts up a sign that says, we fix $6 haircuts. <laughs> turning bumps into blessings. Now, when bumps come, 
Why do they come? Why do bumps come into our lives? Well, the first reason is sin. We live in a fallen society. We live around sinners. Your neighbors are sinners. Some of you knew that, didn't you? But guess what? Their neighbors are also sinners. You are sinners. We are sinners. Everyone on your street is a sinner. Everyone in your neighborhood is a sinner. Everyone in this town is a sinner. We are sinners and we are surrounded by sinners. And guess what sinners do? Sinners sin. And sin causes hurt and heartache. Then why are we so surprised that in our community there is hurt and heartache? On our street there is hurt and heartache. Because see, that is the result of sin. And we are sinners surrounded by sinners so we can expect that in this world and it will always be like that till Jesus comes and one day, praise God, He's promised us a new heaven and a new earth. But until then, we can expect bumps, problems, difficulties because of sin. And just erase from your mind the thought that there's some people who escape the bumps of life. See, somehow we're always thinking about other people and everybody else has it a little better and they don't have the problems we have. They don't have the bumps in life that we have. Everybody has difficulties. Everybody has problems. Everybody has bumps. And you just need to understand that. Many will not reveal those problems. Some don't talk about their hurts. But tucked away in a quiet corner of their lives are wounds and scars that you may never know about. But everybody is in that same category. We are sinners. We are surrounded by sinners. We hurt. We get hurt. We hurt others. We have difficulties. We have problems. We have bumps in life. And Christians are not immune. We live in a sin-saturated society, and we are not immune from the consequences of a sin-saturated society. Just going to be problems. What about non-Christians? You see, sometimes we get the idea that we have it rough and non-Christians have it better. They don't seem to have as many problems as we have. Your non-Christian neighbors seem to be doing better than you're doing. And you say that that's just not fair, that the non-Christian seems to have a, a better situation. Ogden Nash says, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's just that the unjust have the umbrellas. Well, it may seem like that at times, but I want you to know that's not how it is. Two things I want you to remember. Number one, the non-Christian cannot claim Romans 8, 28 and Genesis 50, 20. Now, you know those verses, but let me just read them for you. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know, it's a fact, we know for sure that in all things, not some things, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. That is a promise for believers, for Christians. It is not for the non-Christian. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to go a day in this life without Romans 8.28. I would want to live in this world without Romans 8.28, and yet the non-Christian has to live without that verse, without that promise. Genesis 50.20, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What a great verse. What a great promise. They meant it for harm. God turned it and used it for good. The world can do harm to you. Sinful people can sin against you and do harm to you. God says, I can take that which was evil done against you and I can turn it around and I can use it for your good. That is a promise for believers. That's something God does for his children that is not true for the non-Christian. 
You see, you have a heavenly Father who is always concerned, always working in your behalf, always bringing good out of bad. The non-Christian does not have a heavenly Father working in his behalf. And that is a major difference. And my friend, if you do not know Jesus Christ personally, don't let this service conclude unless you've settled that decision. You've made that commitment to Christ. You need Romans 8, 28. You need Genesis 50, 20. You need more than anything your sins to be forgiven and for your life to be changed by God's power and for you to have a guaranteed future and a hope of eternal life. The next thing about the non-Christian is that sin is fun for a season. See, sometimes we look at the non-Christian and say, well, they're just having much more fun. I mean, we're, you know, we're going to church, we're paying tithes, we're doing all these things, and we still have all these bumps and problems, and there's the non-Christian. He didn't go to church, and he's got all that free time, and he doesn't have to give his tithes, and, and, and yet he just looks like he's got it made. He's just having more fun than we're having. Could be. Sin is fun for a while, for a season. But guess what? The consequences come. The results happen. And so he may have a good deal now, but it's only temporary. What you have is eternal. What you have is going to be so great in the end that you will say it's worth it all when we see Christ. Any problem, any heartache, any difficulty will pale in insignificance when you realize what you have in Jesus Christ and what the ultimate's going to be. So don't look at the non-Christian and say, oh, I, I think that's a, that's a good deal over there. That's not true at all. Here's the truth. Earth is the only heaven the non-Christian will ever know. Earth is the only hell the Christian will ever know. Where do these bumps come from? Sin. Second place, self. Bumps come from us. We cause our own problems many times. We do it to ourselves. We shoot ourselves in the foot so many times that most of us walk with a limp because we keep making the same dumb mistakes. We keep making the same wrong decisions. We're our own worst enemy. If you could kick the person responsible for most of your problems, you couldn't sit down for a week. Self. We do it to ourselves. I read Robert Fulgham in one of his books. He tells about this guy that well, the fire department was called this burning house. And the fire department got there and they could see the fire was upstairs. And they knocked down the front door and they went up the stairs. And here's this man in this burning bed. And they got him out of that burning bed, got him downstairs. And, and of course, they were asking him, how did this happen? And the man says, I don't know. It was on fire when I lay down on it. Well, that's kind of how we are in doing it to ourselves. man was pulled over for speeding, and the police said, you're doing 70 miles an hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone. And the wife interrupted and said, no, sir, officer. My husband was not speeding. She said, I never let him go over 45 when he's had too much to drink. We do it to ourselves, don't we? A lady in San Francisco at a convenience store cast six phony checks from the same person in two weeks. And they quizzed her about it. They couldn't believe it. How in the world could you take six phony checks from the same forger in two weeks' time? She said, well, he, I guess it's because he looks so familiar. <laughs> Where do bumps come from? We bring them on ourselves. We do dumb things. We make dumb decisions. Sin, number two, self. Number three, Satan. Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. Satan is out to destroy you. He's always trying to discourage, to defeat, and destroy God's children. Satan is our enemy. You say, well, God wouldn't allow Satan to get at me. Well, he has before. He did it in the Bible. He certainly did it with Job. 
God allowed Satan to devastate Job and take away everything that he had. And Satan tempts us to destroy us. God tests us to develop us. God is for us, Satan is against us. And Satan's two big tools, pride and discouragement. Reason number four, sovereignty. Sin, self, Satan, sovereignty. We're talking about where bumps come from, problems, difficulties. A sovereign God who is in control of our lives and who has a master plan for us, that sovereign God will engineer things to happen in our lives because they're necessary to accomplish His purpose for us. God has a purpose, and He is moving us in a direction. And so He allows, or He permits, or He may even cause things to happen in order to accomplish what's essential for Him to accomplish in our lives. Now, when He does that, it is always in love, it is always with a purpose, it is always for our good and for His glory. But that does happen. God led the children of Israel through the wilderness. He led them through that wilderness experience. And you see, God may add things to your life, and God may subtract things from your life. Sometimes God takes something from you in order to give you something better in its place. Maybe you've had some experience where you've lost something, and you thought life would never again be the same, and now God has given you something better. Or God has moved you in another direction and given you blessings that you have never experienced had you continued to go in the other direction. So God may add something to your life or God may take something from your life, but He's always working out His purpose for your good. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And here we find a passage that clearly shows that God has a purpose, that He permits bumps to come into our lives, but they're there for a purpose. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Why? To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. Why? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Then look at verse 16. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble you and to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. So there's a passage that just spells out why God allows bumps to come into our lives, why God leads us through difficult times as He led the children through the wilderness. And He gives specific reasons. He says, first, to break us. Verse 2, He says, to humble you. Verse 3, He humbled you. Verse 16, to humble you. He even says, I had you become hungry in order that I could feed you. I caused you to be hungry in order that I could supply that need. I wanted to teach you to depend upon me. I wanted to teach you that I'm bigger than any need you could ever have, that I'm a God of miracles, that I'm the great provider. I want you to depend upon me and nothing else. And so he is working in our lives, and one of the reasons he allows difficulties and problems and bumps is that he is trying to humble us, to break us, 
so that we will not be self-sufficient, but we will be God-sufficient. That we will not depend upon ourselves, but that we will learn to depend upon God. And that's one of the best places you can ever get in your Christian life is where you totally depend upon God. There's a child, a five-year-old child on a train that just kept running around just from one seat to the other seat and playing with the people, playing games, sitting in people's laps. And here was a man who was trying to figure out who the parent was. And there was no way to determine who was the parent of that child. But then all of a sudden they approached a tunnel and that train suddenly went on that tunnel and it got dark and that child started crying and ran straight to its mama and jumped up in her arms and started hugging her and, and holding on. And that's what God, what happens in our lives when we have that difficulty, when we go through that darkness, we run into the arms of God. He's our heavenly father. He's the one who can help us. He's the one we depend upon. And it may take some difficulty for you to realize your source and the one on whom you can depend. And you'll never know how much that means until you walk through that difficult time, until you walk through that valley, until you experience that darkness. Bumps drive us into the arms of God. And every time, God is there. God is faithful. God gives grace to handle the trouble. The second reason is to bear us. Verse 2, it says, to know what was in your heart, uh, to expose, to reveal. The word means to twist like a rope. You see, when we hit bumps in life, it reveals what we're really made of. It reveals weaknesses sometimes in our lives, areas that we need to work on. So God allows things to happen in our lives to show us ourselves and what we really are inside. You know, you all look good this morning. I mean, you're all dressed up and you look good and smell good. You act like that you're all A number one, almost perfect Christians. I mean, you, everything is together in your life and everything is wonderful. But that probably is not the case, at least for most of you. But when you hit that bump, when you hit that difficult, that problem, then what shows up in your life, what's revealed, what comes out of your life, shows where you really are spiritually. It'll show your faith or your lack of faith. It'll expose you for what you are. Remember in the Bible, in the Old Testament, where it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That sounds kind of cruel, that, that God hardened his heart so that he didn't make the right decision. But when you really read that text and you look at the, the meaning of the original language, you understand that what God was doing was God put pressure on Pharaoh to reveal what was in his heart all the time. He put him in a squeeze, he put him in a bind, so what came out of Pharaoh was what was in Pharaoh's heart. And see, if there are things in your heart and life that God wants to show you that you're having trouble seeing, God may allow something to squeeze your life so that that comes out to reveal to you that there's an area of your life that God's not in control of. When you squeeze a lemon, do you know what you get out of it? Lemon juice? Well, that's an opinion. The fact is you get out of it what's in it, right? What comes out is what's in it. And when you squeeze your life, when something squeezes your life, what comes out is what's really in you. God allows things to happen to expose us and to show us what's really in our hearts. And then the third reason is to discipline us. Verse 5, As a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Now I want you to keep in mind that God is a perfect Heavenly Father. If He is a perfect Heavenly Father, then you know that he is going to discipline his children. Because you are imperfect parents. I'm an imperfect parent, but I discipline my children. 
What, is it easy? No, it was difficult. I'm thankful that my parents disciplined me. My dad whipped me real, real often. Mom spanked me just about daily for a while. She just needed the exercise. And... But mom had a little more mercy than dad. Mom would make me go out to the peach tree in the yard and uh, pick my own switch. And you know, that seemed like a great plan the first time she did that, because uh, I brought back one that just you know, wouldn't hurt a flea. And she just made me keep going back to the tree till I got one the appropriate size. And then she would take that switch and just, you know, against my legs. But I could say, you know, I would know what to say to mom. I would, you know, I would try to make tears come. And I would say, can you see the blood? Do you see the blood? What would the neighbors say? What, you know, what would they say at the hospital? You know, anything. And she would finally quit. But now dad was totally deaf. It didn't bother him. Dad used the belt. He didn't need a switch. He'd pull off. The, he had the, you know, permanent switch with him. He'd just pull that thing off. He would sit me down on the bed and talk to me. That's what I hated. You know, he would tell me what I'd done wrong and how bad it was and how it hurt him. And then, and he would say, son, I'm only doing this because I love you. And see, I would think, dad, why don't today or maybe for a week or two, why don't you just not love me? <laughs> and then he would say to me every time, he would, as he started to, to whip me, he would say, son, he called me Fred Lynn. He said, Fred Lynn, this hurts me more than it does you. Now that had to be the dumbest statement I've, I'd ever heard in my life. Because I'm just a dumb kid, but I have enough sense to know which end of the belt he's on, which end I'm on. I'm the hurt E. He's the hurt R. I mean, he's the hurter. I'm the hurt E. You know, this. And I didn't believe my dad. Did not believe him. Every time he said that, I refused to believe it. I left home. I didn't believe it. I got married. I didn't believe it. We had a child. I didn't believe him. She got older. I believed him. First time I spanked Christy, I believed my dad. He's right. It hurt me a lot more than it hurt her. And the only reason I did it was because I loved her so much. I had to discipline her. Now, folks, think about it. As an imperfect parent, if I love my children enough to spank them, to discipline them, a perfect Heavenly Father, do you think He's going to let us go wild? You think he's going to let us hurt ourselves without trying to stop us? That he's not going to discipline us? And when he does, it's always in love? And it always hurts him more than it hurts us? You see, we let things happen in our lives. We run into bumps and difficulties and we say, where is God? Why doesn't God love me? Why did this happen? It's because God loves us that he allows it to happen. Because it's the only way that he can work with us and change us and transform us. God disciplines us. And when he does it, he does it in love. He does it in the right amount. And he does it for a purpose. And ladies and gentlemen, the only proper response to God's discipline is, thanks, I needed that. I needed that. Because it came from a perfect heavenly Father. It came from a heart of love. And then fourthly, to test us. Verse 2 says, to test you, to prove to you. So God allows bumps to come in our life because they're a test to see how we're going to respond. And see, sometimes we just have to keep learning the same things over and over and over because when the test comes, we flunk it. We still make the same dumb decisions. We respond in the wrong way. 
So God keeps allowing these things to come in our lives, and then He gives us a test to see if we... And finally, we pass the test in that area, and we, He moves on to another area. So God is always working in our lives. But then there's a fifth thing, and that is to bless us. God allows bumps to bless us. And He wants to turn all the bumps into blessings. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He's given you. What is God saying? God's saying, if you will trust me, if you will cooperate with me, if you will receive rather than resenting or resisting the bumps of life, I will turn those bumps into blessings. I've got blessings in store for you, unbelievable blessings. But they're going to come out of difficulty. They're going to come out of the bumps of life. But you're going to experience the blessings. And it may be that you wouldn't even know they were blessings had you not had the bumps that preceded them. So God says, yes, bumps come in life. Some we bring on ourselves. Some comes because we live in a sin-saturated society. Some come because God sends them. Or Satan tempts us through them. But God says, I want to take every one of them and turn them into blessings. I want to use them to grow you up and to mature you. And here are a couple of truths. We turn bumps into blessings when we understand that bumps have a purpose. We hope you were blessed by our program Doesn't today. it make sense if that would like a copy of when you program, have a bump, when you hit a bump, when you have a difficulty, a problem in life, if you know there's a purpose, where you can find this program and other life. Christian resources by Dr. Fred God Lowry. has a plan, a master plan. God has a purpose in mind. And God's going to fit this into His purpose. So it's not something that's just happened, but it has a purpose, so accept it and bring it into perspective. And let God help you turn it into a blessing. The second thing is we turn bumps into blessings and we understand that God has a promise for us. He not only has a purpose for the bumps, but He has a promise for us. We have Romans 8, 28 that says, In all things I want to work good in your life. We have the promise that says, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you regardless of what you go through, how difficult. You will never, ever go through any experience alone. I will be with you every step you take. God says, when you can't stand up, I'm going to hold you up. You lean on me. When you need a hug, he says, I'll put my strong right arm around you. I'll hold you up and I'll hug you. He says, I'll never put more on you than you can bear that whatever you have to handle, I'll give you the strength, the grace to handle it. God says, I promise you that everything that happens, I want to use for your good if you'll let me. God says, I promise you that one day when you look back, you will thank me for every bump in life. Now you can handle the bumps. You can turn the bumps into blessings if you'll realize that God has a purpose and that God has given His promise.
I read something that uh, is an illustration that I want you to think about because it illustrates what I'm talking about from Deuteronomy chapter 8. A couple that went to a pottery shop in, in England and the lady saw a beautiful teacup on the shelf and she asked could she see it and she took that teacup in her hand and she had never ever seen a teacup so beautiful. And as she held that beautiful teacup in her hand, all of a sudden the teacup began to talk. Now, you've got to use your imagination. Understand that I know that teacups don't talk. If you understand it, shake your head this way. I don't, I don't want you to go out of here with rumors that I finally lost it. But just imagine. The teacup starts talking. And she just said how beautiful this teacup is. And the teacup said, I haven't always been that beautiful. I was once just red clay. But the master took me and rolled me and patted me and pulled at me. And I yelled, let me alone. Turn me loose. Let me alone. But he just smiled and said, not yet. And then he placed me on a spinning wheel. Now that was terrible. I started spinning and I got dizzy. And I started screaming saying, let me off this thing. And he said, not yet. And then he put me in the oven. I never felt so much heat. Why in the world would he put me in an oven? Why would he want to burn me? And so I yelled and I kicked at the door and I screamed. Finally, he opened the door and he put me on a shelf. And I spent some time there cooling. And then he picked me up and he started brushing me and painting me. It hurt, it scratched. And the fumes were terrible. I, I wanted to gag, and I cried, stop it, stop it. But he said, not yet. Then he put me in a different oven, twice as hot. And I thought I would suffocate. I knew I would burn up. And so I begged, and I pleaded, and I screamed, let me out of here. I could see him through an opening in the oven door. And he just nodded, not yet. Well, I knew I would never make it out of that oven, not out of that heat. It was all over. I had no hope. And then the door opened, and he placed me on a shelf. And then an hour later, he came, and he placed a mirror in front of me. And I looked in that mirror, and I thought, wow, beautiful. That can't be me. I'm just a piece of clay. That couldn't be me. And the master said, that is you. But I want you to remember that I know that it hurt you when I rolled you and patted you and pulled at you. But if I'd left you alone, you would have dried up. I know it made you dizzy to spin, but if I'd stopped the spinning when you screamed and tried to get me to stop, you would have crumbled. I know it was hot in the oven, but if I'd taken you out, you would have cracked. I know the fumes were bad. When I brushed you and painted you, it didn't feel comfortable. But if not, you would have never hardened. And had I not put you in that second oven, there would have never been any color in your life. And the hardness would not have lasted. Now, you are a finished product. You are everything I had in mind when I first began. The Bible says God is the potter and we are the clay. 
And he is committed to make something beautiful out of us. And he'll use the bumps to do it. Turning those bumps into blessings. Blessings.